Question 46 of Summa Theologica Prima Secundae, Treatise on the Passions. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica Prima Secundae, Treatise on the Passions, by St. Thomas Aquinas. Translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 46 of Anger in Itself in Eight Articles. We must now consider anger and one, anger in itself, two, the cause of anger and its remedy, three, the effect of anger. Under the first head, there are eight points of inquiry. First, whether anger is a special passion. Second, whether the object of anger is good or evil. Third, whether anger is in the concupiscible faculty. Fourth, whether anger is accompanied by an act of reason. Fifth, whether anger is more natural than desire. Sixth, whether anger is more grievous than hatred. Seventh, whether anger is only towards those with whom we have a relation of justice. Eighth, of the species of anger. First article, whether anger is a special passion. Objection 1. It would seem that anger is not a special passion. For the irascible power takes its name from anger, ira. But there are several passions in this power, not only one. Therefore, anger is not one special passion. Objection 2. Further, to every special passion there is a contrary passion as is evident by going through them one by one. But no passion is contrary to anger, as stated above, in question 23, article 3. Therefore, anger is not a special passion. Objection 3. Further, one special passion does not include another. But anger includes several passions, since it accompanies sorrow, pleasure and hope, as the philosopher states in Rhetoric 2.2. Therefore, anger is not a special passion. On the contrary, Damascene in On the True Faith 2.16 calls anger a special passion. And so does Cicero in the Tusculian Disputations 4.7. I answer that, a thing is said to be general in two ways. First, by predication. Thus, animal is general in respect of all animals. Secondly, by causality. Thus the sun is the general cause of all things generated here below, according to Dionysius, on the Divine Names 4. Because just as a genus contains potentially many differences, according to a likeness of matter, 
so an efficient cause contains many effects according to its active power. Now it happens that an effect is produced by the concurrence of various causes. And since every cause remains somewhat in its effect, we may say that, in yet a third way, an effect which is due to the concurrence of several causes has a certain generality, inasmuch as several causes are, in a fashion, actually existing therein. Accordingly, in the first way, anger is not a general passion, but is condivided with other passions, as stated above in question 23, article 4. In like manner, neither is it in the second way, since it is not a cause of the other passions. But in this way, love may be called a general passion, as Augustine declares in On the City of God 14, 7 and 9, because love is the primary root of all the other passions, as stated above, in question 27, article 4. But in a third way, anger may be called a general passion, inasmuch as it is caused by a concurrence of several passions. Because the movement of anger does not arise save on account of some pain inflicted, and unless there be desire and hope of revenge. For, as the philosopher says in Rhetoric 2.2, the angry man hopes to punish, since he craves for revenge as being possible. Consequently, if the person who inflicted the injury excel very much, anger does not ensue, but only sorrow, as Avicenna states in On the Soul 4.6. Reply to Objection 1. The irascible power takes its name from ira, anger, not because every movement of that power is one of anger, but because all its movements terminate in anger, and because of all these movements, anger is the most patent. Reply to Objection 2. From the very fact that anger is caused by contrary passions, that is, by hope, which is of good, and by sorrow, which is of evil, it includes in itself contrariety, and consequently it has no contrary outside of itself. Thus also in mixed colors there is no contrariety, except that of the simple colors from which they are made. Reply to Objection 3. Anger includes several passions, not indeed as a genus includes several species, but rather according to the inclusion of cause and effect. Second article. Whether the object of anger is good or evil. Objection 1 it would seem that the object of anger is evil. For Gregory of Nyssa says in On the Nature of Man 21 that anger is the sword-bearer of desire, inasmuch to wit as it assails whatever obstacle stands in the way of desire. But an obstacle has the character of evil. Therefore, anger regards evil as its object. Objection to 
Further, anger and hatred agree in their effect, since each seeks to inflict harm on another. But hatred regards evil as its object, as stated above, in question 29, article 1. Therefore, anger does also. Objection 3. Further, anger arises from sorrow. Wherefore, the philosopher says in Ethics 8.6 that anger acts with sorrow. But evil is the object of sorrow. Therefore, it is also the object of anger. On the contrary, Augustine says in Confessions 2.6 that anger craves for revenge. But the desire for revenge is a desire for something good, since revenge belongs to justice. Therefore, the object of anger is good. Moreover, anger is always accompanied by hope, wherefore it causes pleasure, as the philosopher says in Rhetoric 2.2. But the object of hope and of pleasure is good. Therefore, good is also the object of anger. I answer that the movement of the appetitive power follows an act of the apprehensive power. Now the apprehensive power apprehends a thing in two ways. First, by way of an incomplex object, as when we understand what a man is. Secondly, by way of a complex object, as when we understand that whiteness is in a man. Consequently, in each of these ways, the appetitive power can tend to both good and evil, by way of a simple and incomplex object, when the appetite simply follows and adheres to good, or recoils from evil, and such movements are desire, hope, pleasure, sorrow, and so forth. By way of a complex object, as when the appetite is concerned with some good or evil being in or being done to another, either seeking this or recoiling from it. This is evident in the case of love and hatred, for we love someone insofar as we wish some good to be in him, and we hate someone insofar as we wish some evil to be in him. It is the same with anger. For when a man is angry, he wishes to be avenged on someone. Hence the movement of anger has a twofold tendency, notably to vengeance itself, which it desires and hopes for as being a good, wherefore it takes pleasure in it, and to the person on whom it seeks vengeance, as to something contrary and hurtful, which bears the character of evil. We must, however, observe a twofold difference in this respect between anger on the one side and hatred and love on the other. The first difference is that anger always regards two objects, whereas love and hatred sometimes regard but one object, as when a man is said to love wine or something of the kind, or to hate it. The second difference is that both the objects of love are good, 
since the lover wishes good to someone as to something agreeable to himself while both the objects of hatred bear the character of evil for the man who hates wishes evil to someone as to something disagreeable to him whereas anger regards one object under the aspect of evil notably the noxious person on whom it seeks to be avenged consequently it is a passion somewhat made up of contrary passions this suffices for the replies to the objections third article whether anger is in the concupiscible faculty objection one it would seem that anger is in the concupiscible faculty for cicero says in the tuscalian disputations four nine that anger is a kind of desire but desire is in the concupiscible faculty therefore anger is too objection to further augustine says in his rule that anger grows into hatred and cicero says in the tusculian disputations four nine that hatred is inveterate anger but hatred like love is a concupiscible passion therefore anger is in the concupiscible faculty Objection 3. Further, Damascene in On the True Faith 2.16 and Gregory of Nyssa in On the Nature of Man 21 say that anger is made up of sorrow and desire. Both of these are in the concupiscible faculty. Therefore, anger is a concupiscible passion. On the contrary, the concupiscible is distinct from the irascible faculty if therefore anger were in the concupiscible power the irascible would not take its name from it i answer that as stated above in question 23 article 1 the passions of the irascible part differ from the passions of the concupiscible faculty in that the objects of the concupiscible passions are good and evil absolutely considered whereas the objects of the irascible passions are good and evil in a certain elevation or arduousness now it has been stated in article two that anger regards two objects notably the vengeance that it seeks and the person on whom it seeks vengeance and in respect of both anger requires a certain arduousness for the movement of anger does not arise unless there be some magnitude about both these objects since we make no ado about things that are not or very minute as the philosopher observes in rhetoric two two it is therefore evident that anger is not in the concupiscible but in the irascible faculty. Reply to Objection 1. Cicero gives the name of desire to any kind of craving for a future good, without discriminating between that which is arduous 
and that which is not. Accordingly, he reckons anger as a kind of desire, inasmuch as it is a desire of revenge. In this sense, however, desire is common to the irascible and concupiscible faculties. Reply to Objection 2. Anger is said to grow into hatred, not as though the same passion, which at first was anger, afterwards becomes hatred by becoming inveterate, but by a process of causality. For anger, when it lasts a long time, engenders hatred. Reply to Objection 3. Anger is said to be composed of sorrow and desire, not as though they were its parts, but because they are its causes. And it has been said above, in question 25, article 2, that the concupiscible passions are the causes of the irascible passions. Fourth article, whether anger requires an act of reason. Objection 1. It would seem that anger does not require an act of reason. For, since anger is a passion, it is in the sensitive appetite. But the sensitive appetite follows an apprehension, not of reason, but of the sensitive faculty. Therefore, anger does not require an act of reason. Objection 2. Further, dumb animals are devoid of reason and yet they are seen to be angry. Therefore, anger does not require an act of reason. Objection 3. Further, drunkenness fetters the reason, whereas it is conducive to anger. Therefore, anger does not require an act of reason. On the contrary, the philosopher says in Ethics 7.6 that anger listens to reason somewhat. I answer that, as stated above in Article 2, anger is a desire for vengeance. Now vengeance implies a comparison between the punishment to be inflicted and the hurt done. Wherefore, the philosopher says in Ethics 7.6 that Anger, as if it had drawn the inference that it ought to quarrel with such a person, is therefore immediately exasperated. Now to compare and to draw an inference is an act of reason. Therefore, anger, in a fashion, requires an act of reason. Reply to Objection 1. The movement of the appetitive power may follow an act of reason in two ways. In the first way, it follows the reason insofar as the reason commands, and thus the will follows reason, wherefore it is called the rational appetite. In another way, it follows reason insofar as the reason denounces, and thus anger follows reason. For the philosopher says in On Problems 28.3 that anger follows reason not in obedience to reason's command,
but as a result of reasons denouncing the injury. Because the sensitive appetite is subject to the reason, not immediately, but through the will. Reply to Objection 2. Dumb animals have a natural instinct imparted to them by the divine reason, in virtue of which they are gifted with movements, both internal and external, like unto rational movements as stated above, in question 40, article 3. Reply to Objection 3. As stated in Ethics 7.6, Anger listens somewhat to reason, insofar as reason denounces the injury inflicted, but listens not perfectly, because it does not observe the rule of reason as to the measure of vengeance. Anger, therefore, requires an act of reason, and yet proves a hindrance to reason. Wherefore the philosopher says in On Problems 3, 2, and 27, that those who are very drunk, so as to be incapable of the use of reason, do not get angry, but those who are slightly drunk do get angry through being still able, though hampered, to form a judgment of reason. Fifth article, whether anger is more natural than desire. Objection 1. It would seem that anger is not more natural than desire. Because it is proper to man to be by nature a gentle animal. But gentleness is contrary to anger, as the philosopher states in Rhetoric 2.3. Therefore, anger is no more natural than desire. In fact, it seems to be altogether unnatural to man. Objection to Further, reason is contrasted with nature, since those things that act according to reason are not said to act according to nature. Now, anger requires an act of reason, but desire does not, as stated in Ethics 7.6. Therefore, desire is more natural than anger. Objection 3. Further, anger is a craving for vengeance, while desire is a craving for those things especially which are pleasant to the touch, notably for pleasures of the table and for sexual pleasures. But these things are more natural to man than vengeance. Therefore, desire is more natural than anger. On the contrary, the philosopher says in Ethics 7.6 that anger is more natural than desire. I answer that, by natural, we mean that which is caused by nature, as stated in Physics 2.1. Consequently, the question as to whether a particular passion is more or less natural cannot be decided without reference to the cause of that passion. Now the cause of a passion, as stated above in question 36, article 2, may be considered in two ways. First, on the part of the object. Secondly, on the part of the subject. 
If, then, we consider the cause of anger and of desire, on the part of the object, thus desire, especially of pleasures of the table and of sexual pleasures, is more natural than anger, insofar as these pleasures are more natural to man than vengeance. If, however, we consider the cause of anger on the part of the subject, thus anger, in a manner, is more natural, and, in a manner, desire is more natural. Because the nature of an individual man may be considered either as to the generic or as to the specific nature, or again, as to the particular temperament of the individual. If then we consider the generic nature, that is, the nature of this man considered as an animal, thus desire is more natural than anger, because it is from this very generic nature that man is inclined to desire those things which tend to preserve him, the life both of the species and of the individual. If, however, we consider the specific nature, that is, the nature of this man as a rational being, then anger is more natural to man than desire, insofar as anger follows reason more than desire does. Wherefore the philosopher says in Ethics 4.5 that revenge, which pertains to anger, is more natural to man than meekness. For it is natural to everything to rise up against things contrary and hurtful. And if we consider the nature of the individual, in respect of his particular temperament, thus anger is more natural than desire. For the reason that anger is prone to ensue from the natural tendency to anger, more than desire, or any other passion, is to ensue from a natural tendency to desire, which tendencies result from a man's individual temperament. Because disposition to anger is due to a bilious temperament, and of all the humors, the bile moves quickest, for it is like fire. Consequently, he that is temperamentally disposed to anger is sooner incensed with anger than he that is temperamentally disposed to desire is inflamed with desire. And for this reason the philosopher says in Ethics 7.6 that a disposition to anger is more liable to be transmitted from the parent to child than a disposition to desire. Reply to Objection 1. We may consider in man both the natural temperament on the part of the body and the reason. On the part of the bodily temperament, a man, considered specifically, does not naturally excel others either in anger or in any other passion on account of the moderation of his temperament. But other animals, for as much as their temperament recedes from this moderation and approaches to an extreme disposition, are naturally disposed to some excessive passion, such as the lion in daring, the hound in anger, the hare in fear, and so forth. On the part of reason, however, it is natural to man both to be angry and to be gentle, insofar as reason somewhat causes anger, by denouncing the injury which causes anger, 
and somewhat appeases anger, insofar as the angry man does not listen perfectly to the command of reason, as stated above in Article 4, Third Reply. Reply to Objection 2 Reason itself belongs to the nature of man, wherefore from the very fact that anger requires an act of reason, it follows that it is, in a manner, natural to man. Reply to Objection 3. This argument regards anger and desire on the part of the object. Sixth Article whether anger is more grievous than hatred. Objection 1. It would seem that anger is more grievous than hatred. For it is written in Proverbs 27.4 that anger hath no mercy, nor fury when it breaketh forth. But hatred sometimes has mercy. Therefore, anger is more grievous than hatred. Objection to. Further, it is worse to suffer evil and to grieve for it than merely to suffer it. But when a man hates, he is contented if the object of his hatred suffer evil, whereas the angry man is not satisfied unless the object of his anger know it and be aggrieved thereby, as the philosopher says in Rhetoric 2.4. Therefore, Anger is more grievous than hatred. Objection 3. Further, a thing seems to be so much the more firm according as more things concur to set it up. Thus a habit is all the more settled through being caused by several acts. But anger is caused by the concurrence of several passions, as stated above in Article 1, whereas hatred is not. Therefore, anger is more settled and more grievous than hatred. On the contrary, Augustine, in his rule, compares hatred to a beam, but anger to a moat. I answer that the species and nature of a passion are taken from its object. Now the object of anger is the same in substance as the object of hatred, since, just as the hater wishes evil to him whom he hates, so does the angry man wish evil to him with whom he is angry. But there is a difference of aspect. For the hater wishes evil to his enemy as evil, whereas the angry man wishes evil to him with whom he is angry not as evil, but in so far as it has an aspect of good, that is, in so far as he reckons it as just, since it is a means of vengeance. Wherefore also it has been said above in Article 2 that hatred implies application of evil to evil, whereas anger denotes application of good to evil. Now it is evident that to seek evil under the aspect of justice is a lesser evil than simply to seek evil to someone. Because to wish evil to someone under the aspect of justice may be according to the virtue of justice, 
if it be in conformity with the order of reason. And anger fails only in this, that it does not obey the precept of reason in taking vengeance. Consequently, it is evident that hatred is far worse and graver than anger. Reply to Objection 1. In anger and hatred, two points may be considered, namely, the thing desired and the intensity of the desire. As to the thing desired, anger has more mercy than hatred does. For since hatred desires another's evil for evil's sake, it is satisfied with no particular measure of evil, because those things that are desired for their own sake are desired without measure, as the philosopher states in Politics 1.3, instancing a miser with regard to riches. Hence it is written in Ecclesiasticus 12.16, An enemy, if he find an opportunity, will not be satisfied with blood. Anger, on the other hand, seeks evil only under the aspect of a just means of vengeance. Consequently, when the evil inflicted goes beyond the measure of justice, according to the estimate of the angry man, then he has mercy. Wherefore, the philosopher says in Rhetoric 2.4 that the angry man is appeased if many evils befall, whereas the hater is never appeased. As to the intensity of the desire, anger excludes mercy more than hatred does, because the movement of anger is more impetuous through the heating of the bile. Hence the passage quoted continues, Who can bear the violence of one provoked? Reply to Objection 2. As stated above, an angry man wishes evil to someone, insofar as this evil is a means of just vengeance. Now vengeance is wrought by the infliction of a punishment, and the nature of punishment consists in being contrary to the will, painful, and inflicted for some fault. Consequently, an angry man desires this, that the person whom he is hurting may feel it and may be in pain and know that this has befallen him on account of the harm he has done the other. The hater, on the other hand, cares not for all of this, since he desires another's evil as such. It is not true, however, that an evil is worse through giving pain, because injustice and imprudence, although evil, yet being voluntary, do not grieve those in whom they are, as the philosopher observes in Rhetoric 2.4. Reply to Objection 3. That which proceeds from several causes is more settled when these causes are of one kind, but it may be that one cause prevails over many others. Now hatred ensues from a more lasting cause than anger does, because anger arises from an emotion of the soul due to the wrong inflicted, whereas hatred ensues from a disposition in a man, by reason of which he considers that which he hates to be contrary and hurtful to him. 
Consequently, as a passion is more transitory than disposition or habit, so anger is less lasting than hatred, although hatred itself is a passion ensuing from this disposition. Hence the philosopher says in Rhetoric 2.4 that hatred is more incurable than anger. Seventh article. Whether anger is only towards those to whom one has an obligation of justice. Objection 1. It would seem that anger is not only towards those to whom one has an obligation of justice. For there is no justice between man and irrational beings. And yet sometimes one is angry with irrational beings. Thus, out of anger, a writer throws away his pen, or a rider strikes his horse. Therefore, anger is not only towards those to whom one has an obligation of justice. Objection to. Further, there is no justice towards oneself, nor is there justice towards one's own. Ethics 5.6. But sometimes a man is angry with himself, for instance, a penitent on account of his sin. Hence it is written in Psalm 4.5, Be ye angry and sin not. Therefore, Anger is not only towards those with whom one has a relation of justice. Objection 3. Further, justice and injustice can be of one man towards an entire class or a whole community. For instance, when the state injures an individual. But anger is not towards a class, but only towards an individual, as the philosopher states in Rhetoric 2.4. Therefore, properly speaking, anger is not towards those with whom one is in relation of justice or injustice. The contrary, however, may be gathered from the philosopher in Rhetoric 2, 2 and 3. I answer that, as stated above in Article 6, Anger desires evil as being a means of just vengeance. Consequently, anger is towards those to whom we are just or unjust, since vengeance is an act of justice, and wrongdoing is an act of injustice. Therefore, both on the part of the cause, notably the harm done by another, and on the part of the vengeance sought by the angry man, it is evident that anger concerns those to whom one is just or unjust. Reply to Objection 1 As stated above in Article 4, Second Reply, anger, though it follows an act of reason, can nevertheless be in dumb animals that are devoid of reason, insofar as through their natural instinct they are moved by their imagination to something like rational action. Since then in man there is both reason and imagination, the movement of anger can be aroused in man in two ways. First, when only his imagination denounces the injury, 
and in this way man is aroused to a movement of anger even against irrational and inanimate beings which movement is like that which occurs in animals against anything that injures them secondly by the reason denouncing the injury and thus according to the philosopher in rhetoric two three it is impossible to be angry with insensible things or with the dead because they feel no pain which is above all what the angry man seeks in those with whom he is angry and because there is no question of vengeance on them since they can do us no harm reply to objection to as the philosopher says in ethics 511 metaphorically speaking there is a certain justice and injustice between a man and himself in so far as the reason rules the irascible and concupiscible parts of the soul and in this sense a man is said to be avenged on himself and consequently to be angry with himself but properly and in accordance with the nature of things a man is never angry with himself reply to objection three the philosopher in rhetoric two four assigns as one difference between hatred and anger that hatred may be felt towards a class as when we hate the entire class of thieves whereas anger is directed only towards an individual the reason is that hatred arises from our considering a quality as disagreeing with our disposition and this may refer to a thing in general or in particular anger on the other hand ensues from someone having injured us by his action now all actions are the deeds of individuals and consequently anger is always pointed at an individual when the whole state hurts us the whole state is reckoned as one individual confer question 29 article 6 eighth article whether the species of anger are suitably assigned objection one it would seem that damascene in on the true faith 216 unsuitably assigns three species of anger wrath ill will and rancor for no genus derives its specific differences from accidents but these three are diversified in respect of an accident because the beginning of the movement of anger is called wrath kolos if anger continue it is called ill-will menis while rancor kotos is anger waiting for an opportunity of vengeance therefore these are not different species of anger objection to further cicero says in the tuscalian disputations four nine that escandentia irascibility is what the greeks call thymosis and is a kind of anger that arises and subsides intermittently while according to damascene thymosis is the same as kotos rancor 
Therefore, Kotos does not bide its time for taking vengeance, but in course of time spends itself. Objection 3. Further, Gregory, in his commentary on Job 21.4, gives three degrees of anger, namely, anger without utterance, anger with utterance, and anger with perfection of speech corresponding to the three degrees mentioned by our Lord in Matthew 5.22. Whosoever is angry with his brother, thus implying anger without utterance, and then whoever shall say to his brother Raka, implying anger with utterance, yet without full expression, and lastly, whoever shall say thou fool, where we have perfection of speech. Therefore, Damascene's division is imperfect, since it takes no account of utterance. On the contrary stands the authority of Damascene, on the true faith 2.16, and Gregory of Nyssa, on the nature of man 21. I answer that, the species of anger given by Damascene and Gregory of Nyssa are taken from those things which give increase to anger. This happens in three ways. First, from facility of the movement itself, and he calls this kind of anger krolos, bile, because it is quickly aroused. Secondly, on the part of the grief that causes anger and which dwells some time in the memory. This belongs to menis, ill will, which is derived from menen, to dwell. Thirdly, on the part of that which the angry man seeks, notably vengeance, and this pertains to kotos, rancor, which never rests until it is avenged. Confer Ephesians 4.31 Let all bitterness and anger and indignation be put away from you. Hence the philosopher, in Ethics 4.5, calls some angry persons acrocoloi, choleric, because they are easily angered. Some he calls picroi, bitter, because they retain their anger for a long time. And some he calls kalapoi, ill-tempered, because they never rest until they have retaliated. Confer Secunda Secunde, Question 158, Article 5. Reply to Objection 1. All those things which give anger some kind of perfection are not altogether accidental to anger, and consequently nothing prevents them from causing a certain specific difference thereof. Reply to Objection 2. Irascibility which Cicero mentions, seems to pertain to the first species of anger, which consists in a certain quickness of temper, rather than to rancor, furor. And there is no reason why the Greek thymosis, which is denoted by the Latin furor, should not signify both quickness to anger and firmness of purpose in being avenged. 
Reply to Objection 3. These degrees are distinguished according to various effects of anger and not according to degrees of perfection in the very movement of anger. End of question 46. Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C.